When my hope is lost and my strength is gone, I run to you and you alone. When I can't get up and I can't go on, I run to you. Good morning, Harmony. Would you stand up with me this morning? It is a beautiful day outside. It's a glorious day inside as we praise and worship this morning. It's going to be an awesome day. Gary Marble speaking this morning about the end times. These songs talk about us being ready for those end times. So as we sing out this morning, sing from the heart, sing from the lungs, sing with me right now. I was buried beneath my shame Who could carry that kind of weight It was my tomb Till I met you I was breathing but not alive all my failures I tried to hide It was my tomb Till I met you You called my name And I ran out of that grave Out of the darkness Into Now your freedom is all that I know. The old man knew Jesus when I met you. You called my name and I Good morning and welcome to Harmony. Thanks for joining us in the room and thanks for joining us online. It is going to be a fabulous day. Another day that Pastor John isn't here. And that's not why it's a good day. Pastor John is in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, the city of champions, they say. Um, he's preaching for one of our dear friends, Ken Barner, has a church out there, Crossroads Ministries. Ken's daughter got married last night, and uh, I'm happy for that family, but uh, he didn't want to be in the pulpit this morning, so he asked John to speak, and it's a, it's a good thing. 
But this morning we have a special treat and a special theme. I'm looking so forward to Gary Barbel this morning speaking about the end times, the second coming of Jesus Christ. And uh, if you haven't noticed, it's getting there, right? Now, for 58 years, I've heard that Jesus Christ is coming soon, right? And he hasn't. But the more I see, the more I study, the more I read, I can tell you right now that Jesus Christ is coming soon. So I hope you're ready. We're, we're going to have a great message this morning. There's lots of prayer requests that you get in your Wednesday emails. If you don't get those emails, go into our app, sign up, and get the prayer list, get all the announcements that come into your email box, and uh, that way we know how to serve you better and uh, know what to pray for, and then you know what's going on around Harmony as well. So thanks for being here this morning. Let's open in prayer. Father, I am thankful again for this place you've given us to serve you, to call your name. And when we call your name, we can run out of that grave, the grave of sin and death. So Father, this morning as we continue just to praise your name, help us to, to grasp the concept that you are completely in charge. Even though we don't like what's going on around us, you are completely in control. And Father, you have a plan with your plan, it is our opportunity and our duty to trust you. So, Father, be with us in a great way this morning. Let us feel your power and your presence. Father, help us to, to say at the end of this service, after all we hear, after all we learn, help us to say that it, it is well with our soul. Father, again, thank you for your love, your mercy, and your grace, all that you do for us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Stand with us one more time. The grander earth has quaked before, moved by the sound of his voice. Seas that are shaken and stirred can be calmed and broken for my regard. Through it all, through it all, my eyes are on you. Through it all, through it all, it is well. Through it all, through it all, my eyes are on you. It is well with
of lightning, rolls of thunder, blessing and honor, strength and glory and power be to you. Everything and I will 
the God we serve. I actually printed out an introduction this morning for our speaker. All of the awards that he's gotten, all of the worldly acclaim that he has, and I just realized it would be longer than his sermon if I read it. But we're thrilled to have Gary uh, as not only part of our church, but a guest speaker this morning. So let's give him a harmony welcome, Brother Gary Varble. Thank you so much, Pastor. I appreciate uh, your hard work here at our home church, and uh, I appreciate the ministry that you gave us this morning. I'm going to be talking about something that's kind of controversial, the second coming of Jesus Christ. Uh, There are a lot of people today who don't like to talk about this subject, and there's all kinds of different views. Now, back In the 70s, when I was going to Bethesda Baptist Church, Pastor Tyler was preaching, and he did a whole series on the book of Revelation. And uh, at that time, 1977, I took a a young girl, the only woman, the only girl I ever asked to go to church with me, and her name is Carol, and uh, she was not saved at the time. And she heard the preaching every Sunday for a couple of months about Jesus is coming again. He promised he's coming again. And she, in her heart, knew she wasn't ready. And she went forward one Sunday morning and gave her heart to Christ. And we got married a few years after that. And uh, it's, the Lord was, that was a gift to me. But he, he first wanted to give his gift of salvation to her. And so this teaching was very popular back in the 70s, uh, right after the book that Hal, um, Hal Lindsey, is that his name, wrote, uh, The Late Great Planet Earth. And uh, people got to talking a lot about Jesus is coming again. One of the reasons was that Israel was back in their homeland. This was a fulfillment of Ezekiel chapter 36 and 37. They had been out of the homeland. There was no nation of Israel from 70 AD until 1948, March, May 14th, uh, 1948. And so they're back in their homeland. And now they're speaking Hebrew again, which is another fulfillment of scripture. And now there are, the last thing I saw was 30,000 converted believers into Jesus. So do you have Jewish people who have claimed that Jesus is their Messiah in Israel. And now there's also more Jewish people living in Israel than in the rest of the world. This is all a fulfillment of Scripture. And Jesus said, I'm coming back in the last days, in the, in the, in the final age. So, in 1988, there was a man named Edgar Wiesenant, who was a NASA scientist, and he was a believer, and he wrote a book called 88 Reasons Why Jesus is Coming Back in 1988, and he was wrong. And then you had um, uh, Tim LaHaye and Jerry Jenkins who wrote the Left Behind series, and people got all excited again, and, and then they were getting attacked by other people who said, oh, you're all wrong here, this is all... And so there are, there are a group of people who are called preterists who believe that all of the scripture has already been fulfilled. You know, Satan is already bound, you know. He must have a really long chain, but he's been bound already. But what I'm going to be teaching this morning, and I'm going to try to go very fast because there's a lot of scripture I want to, I want to cover. This is the teaching that I was brought up with. This is the teaching that I have studied for years And I'm convinced that this is the right teaching. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But Jesus said he's coming again. In fact, a third of the Bible is about prophecy. So we should study it. 
But the other thing is, the last verses of the Old Testament and the last verses of the New Testament focus on Jesus coming again. The day of the Lord is coming. And are you ready? That's the message. Here's, I'll give you another reason why we should look forward to the return of Jesus. Uh, we're going to go to our main t- scripture here, but I want to just read this to you. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8 says, Finally, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. Now, Paul's talking about there's a crown of righteousness that he's going to get, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day, and not only me, not only me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. The New Living Translation says, for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. This is another reason why you should look forward to the coming of Christ. And as Pastor Dave said this morning, as we watch the news, something's changed. Something's going terribly wrong, not just in America, but all over the world. And at some point, Jesus is going to come back and put a stop to it. So let's look at our main text this morning. Uh, let's go to First uh, Thessalonians chapter 4, if you have your Bible, look in there. And, if, and I encourage you to take notes. First uh, Thessalonians chapter 4, we're going to look at verses 13 through 18. Another thing I wanted to add before we read this is that some people say, well, this is a new teaching. This is something that came up in the 1800s. I'm sorry, but Jesus talked about this. And we'll look at that text in just a minute in Luke chapter 17. But let's read our main text here, the Apostle Paul. Now, Paul is writing to the church in Thessalonica, and he, the word has gotten to him that they were concerned that, that Jesus came back and they missed it, and they were left behind. And the other thing they were concerned about was, what about, what about our, our loved ones who were in, in Jesus and have died? What Did they miss out too? What, what's going on? So he's going to answer that. And he says here in verse 13, But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. Now, first of all, I want to stop right there and point out three three enemies to faith right here in this text. First, ignorance. Uh, J. Vernon McGee said once that the, the largest congregation in the world is the ignorant brethren. The church of the ignorant brethren. We don't want to be in this group. But that's what the, so if you underline your Bible, the first word is underlined is ignorant. It means we don't know, okay? He said he didn't want us to be ignorant, brethren, about those who, concerning who have fallen asleep. Now, when the Bible talks about falling asleep, it's talking about people who have died, all right? Their body looks like it's asleep. Their, their soul has gone to be with the Lord. If you're in Christ, you've gone to be with the Lord. Absent from the body is present with the Lord. But at some point, God's going to raise this body up make it all new again so and then then he says lest you sorrow i underline the word sorrow as others who have no hope and then underline no hope these are the three enemies to faith ignorance sorrow and and hopelessness but we as believers don't have those three things because we have the word of god if we study it and there's no reason to sorrow when we lose a loved one who's in Christ because we're no, we know we're going to see them again because the Bible says so. So we have hope. All right, verse 14 says, For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who fall asleep, who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout and the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first, then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus shall we ever always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Let me pray for us. Father, I pray now as we look into your word that you would speak to our hearts about our own condition and our position with you. And Lord, we look forward to your coming in Jesus' name. Amen. So, we talked about verse 13. Let's go to the what. What are we talking about? The rapture of the church. And so, this is also mentioned in some other scriptures. And, the, and one of them is 1 Corinthians 15, 51 through 53. If you want to turn there and look at there. I, it's not going to be up on the screen. I'm just going to read it to you. But it says, Behold, I tell you a mystery. 
And a mystery is just something that's not been fully revealed yet, okay? This wasn't in the Old Testament. This is something that he's explaining to you now. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We should not all sleep, again, dead, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. For this, in, for this corruptible will put on incorruption and this mortal will put on immortality. Notice again the trumpet sound. There's coming a day when Jesus is going to come back. He's going to shout. There's going to be an, a trumpet sound. And the dead in Christ are going to be resurrected. And then we who are alive in Christ at the time that he comes, not everyone's going to die. When Jesus comes back, if you're in Christ, you don't die. You go right to be with him. And there are examples in the Old Testament. God always gives us examples. For instance, the book of, of Genesis chapter 5. We are, we're told about Enoch, who lived 65 years, became the father of Methuselah, and then lived another 300 years. And it says he walked with the Lord, and then he was not because God took him. He didn't die. Everybody else in that chapter, these 10 other guys in that chapter, all says they died. But this guy didn't die. He went to be with the Lord. So, and, and also, it's going to happen in the twinkling of an eye. So, if you blink your eye, that's how fast it will happen. There are, there's possible that there will be conversations that will be, be having, people will be having, and all of a sudden, somebody's going to disappear. Just that fast. So, that's the what. We're talking about actually a time when Jesus comes back and people who are in Jesus, who have been sealed by the Holy Spirit, who have been born again, will go to meet him in the air. So uh, first, let's go to these diagrams. I, I drew a couple of things up. Now, you, if you look online, you're going to find millions of diagrams, and not all of them, all of them are right, uh, according to the Scripture, right, in, in my opinion. But I'm going to just, I'm going to dumb it down to you so you, there's not a lot of detail here. But first of all, Jesus came, his first coming. Why did he come? He came to die for our sins. So now, since that time, since he rose again to life and went and ascended back to heaven, that's what it talks about in the book of Acts, we have been living in the church age. And the church age started at the day of Pentecost. And the Holy Spirit came down and 3,000 were added to the church at that day. And from that time on, Jesus Christ his church has been growing and, and, and going to all of the nations. So we're in that church age right now. The next thing on God's calendar is the rapture. And the rapture is when Jesus comes down, but he doesn't come all the way to the earth. He comes to the clouds, and then we go to meet him in the clouds. And, and let me, uh, I want to share this with you too. Amos 3.7 says this, Surely the Lord does nothing unless he reveals his secret to his servants, the prophets. So what I'm telling you this morning, God has revealed to us in the scriptures. If we study the scriptures, and I, I would encourage everybody to be a Berean. Don't just take what I say this morning. Study it for yourself. Jot down the verses. Go look at them. And there's many more. I'm just giving you a, a, a Reader's Digest version. So the rapture is going to happen. What's going to happen next? So the thing that happens next is the marriage supper of the Lamb in heaven. So in Ephesians chapter 5, the church is called the bride of Christ. Jesus is the groom, and he comes back to get his bride. And when we go to be with him, then for the next seven years is, the seven, is what's called the marriage supper of the Lamb in heaven with, with our groom. Okay? So it's, re, it's representative of the Jewish wedding. What would happen in a Jewish wedding is you, you would have the, the father of the bride, the father of the, the, the groom, and they would get together, and they would, they would determine a bride price. So the, the groom is going to pay for his bride. This is something that's totally agreed. And once they come to an agreement, then the groom would take a cup of wine, and he would offer it to his bride. If she takes it and drinks it, then that means they're, they're married. Okay, they're betrothed. If she rejects it, and she has a choice. If she rejects it, then there's no wedding. Now, if she takes it and drinks it, then 
The groom would say to her, I will not drink of this cup again until I drink it with you in my father's house. Does that sound familiar? In the upper room, this is what Jesus said to the disciples. He took the cup and then he told him, I will not drink this again until I drink it with you in my father's house. So in the Jewish wedding, what they would do is then the groom would go and he would build on to his father's house. It'd be like a compound and he would build on to it. And when he was finished, he would tell his father and then his father would tell him when he could go get his bride. The father would make the decision when he could go get his bride. And so this is a picture of what's going to happen. And so then what would happen is, so when the father says, go get your bride, then the groom would go. And he might sometimes come at midnight and they would have like a party would come with him and they would have torches and they would blow a trumpet. They would blow the, the, the ram's horn, the shofar, announcing that the groom had come and then the bride had to be ready. She had to be ready to go out. And they would build this, this seat that had two poles on each side and there were two people who would hold that seat up. The bride would go and sit in the seat and then they would lift it up and they would carry her back to the father's house. And they, they would call that, they would fly her back to her, her new home with her groom. This is a picture of the rapture. This is what we're talking about today. So, the rapture is the next thing we're looking at. Then there would be a marriage supper of the Lamb. Now, what's going on on the earth during that time period is the tribulation period, the seven years tribulation. Now, I don't have time to talk about that. It's, it's first mentioned in, in Daniel chapter 9. There are 70 weeks of years, 490 years that determine upon the people. And after 69 weeks, the Messiah would be cut off. And that's exactly what happened. The, the, uh, the announcement for the rebuilding of the city of Jerusalem went forward from, from King Artaxerxes, and from that time it was 400 and, and 460, 463 years, I should say, uh, 463 years to the time that Jesus entered into Jerusalem on a donkey, proclaiming himself to be king. And they didn't, they didn't accept him. The Pharisees rejected him. And then uh, just a few days later, they crucified him. And the time count has stopped until the last week. The last week of 70, seven years will be fulfilled. And that time will be called the time of trouble, Jacob's trouble. It's the, the tribulation period. It'll be broken up into two halves, three and a half years, three and a half years. The second three and a half years begins when the Antichrist will go into the newborn, new built temple and proclaim himself to be God. And then from that point on, Jesus calls this the great tribulation. There will never be a time like it ever has ever been or ever will be on the earth. This is the wrath of God that will be poured out on this earth. And it will be a wake-up call to the people, and especially the Jewish people, to wake them up to the Messiah. They will see Scripture being fulfilled. So that's the great tribulation period. At the end of the great tribulation period. In fact, it says in the Bible and in Revelation, 1260 days after the Antichrist proclaims himself to be God, 1260 days later, Jesus will come back again. This is the second coming. And when he comes back, he will come all the way to the earth, all the way to the, the Mount of Olives. And when he lands, it will, an earthquake will happen and it'll split the, the ground open all the way to the temple. And then you have the battle of Armageddon. And it won't be much of a battle because Jesus will speak the word and everybody is done for pretty much. The enemies of Christ will be done for. And then the next thing that will happen is Jesus will set up his kingdom on earth, which will be the millennial reign of Christ. And it says in the book of Revelation that he will reign for a thousand years. And it says it many times. I know a lot of people, there not a lot of people, but some people don't believe that there's actually a literal 1,000 years. But it says it over and over. When the Bible repeats things, I take it literally. And so that's going to be happening here on the earth. And that time is talked a lot about in the book of Isaiah. It will be a time of like returning back to the Garden of Eden. The, the lion will lay down with the lamb. The, the, the child will, will play near vipers and, and won't be bitten. Uh, lions will eat grass like cows. Everything will change. 
and the earth will be like God intended from the beginning. No longer the curse. So that's what we're having to look forward to. And in John chapter 14, Jesus said this. Now, this is before uh, his crucifixion. This is the night before he goes to be crucified. He's with the disciples. They've had the cup of wine and, and the bread. And then he says this. Let not your heart be troubled. Now, if you ever listen to Sean Hannity, he says this every show. But he never finishes the verse. I want to finish the verse for you. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions, some versions uh, say rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Now this again is, he's talking about resurrection day, the rapture when he comes back and takes his church. He was telling the disciples that, but he was telling us as well. And then he says this, and where I go, you know, and the way you know. And Thomas says, but Lord, we don't know where you're going, and how can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. There's no other way to get to heaven. The world wants to tell you there's many ways to get there. If there were other ways to get there, then Jesus died in vain. Why did he die? He died for our sins. He's the perfect sacrifice because he knew no sin. He is God who took the form of man to live a perfect life so that he was the perfect lamb of God that could, that could save us from our sins because the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And because he's God, death couldn't hold him. And he rose from the dead. And he offers eternal life to anyone who puts their trust, repents of their sin, and puts their trust in him. But what I'm telling you is that is future. All of this is future. But at some point, there's going to be some generation that's going to be alive, and he's going to come back like that, and when he comes back, everything changes. There have been some estimates that there are 100 million plus Christians in America, 330 million people in America, maybe a third of them. I'm afraid that there will be, the day after the rapture, there will be a lot of people in church. We need to examine ourselves to see if we're ready to meet him. So, moving on. The who. Who is going to be resurrected? It's going to be Christians. In verses 14 and 15 of our text, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, it says this, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. So the people who are dead in Christ, not all the dead, but the dead in Christ, will be, they will rise first. Oh, also, one point. People might think, in their mind, they think, boy, Gary, you're talking about some really unbelievable stuff here. I mean, this is really way out there. Uh, you're talking about people on the earth all of a sudden flying into the air. Listen to what he says here. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, the reason I believe in the doctrine of the rapture is because I believe in the gospel. I believe that Jesus died and he rose again. Can you think of anything more miraculous than that? And if he did that, if, he, if you believe that he did that, then why is it too hard to believe that he wouldn't zap us out of this place? Now, a lot of people, and I've got some good friends who are believers, and they, don't, they think I'm wrong about the pre-tribulation rapture point of view. They think the church is going to go through the tribulation. I posed this question to you. Since we're the bride of Christ, and he's the groom, can you imagine a groom beating up his wife before the wedding? That doesn't make a lot of sense, does it? Uh, I, I can give you some scriptures here. Um, let's look. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you to look at Luke chapter 17, verses 26 and following. <clears throat> it says, as it was in the days of Noah, uh, so shall it, come, it shall be in the days of the Son of Man. 
they ate, they drank, they married, they, they were given in marriage and until the day that Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed all them all. So before the flood, people were just eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage and, and everything. Life was just normal. Now, they all thought Noah was crazy. The Bible tells us in Hebrews that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. And then it probably took him 120 years to build the ark. And during that time, he's preaching and no converts other than his family. They didn't believe it until the day he went in the ark and then the rain came. Actually, he went in the ark. He was told to come in the ark and he was in the ark for seven days before. So they probably really thought, okay, this guy's really nuts. And then it started to rain and, the, and all of the water and it flooded and it killed them all. People will mock this doctrine. And Peter warns in 2 Peter chapter 3 that they forget that in times past God destroyed the earth by a flood. And they'll say, where is this coming? Everything proceeds just as it was. Just like Pastor Dave said at the very beginning, he says, where, where is this coming? It, it's been 2,000 years, he hasn't come. Here's one of the reasons why I think we're getting really close. Because the Bible says that there are 2,000 years from Adam to Abraham. And then there are 2,000 years from Abraham to Jesus. And from Jesus' crucifixion to today, we are real close to 2,000 years. I believe that, the, that God has a calendar, and it's 7,000 years for mankind. 6,000 years... And then the last thousand years will be the millennial reign. I don't know when he's coming back, but I think it's real close. I think it's soon. And it's sooner than it was when he first wrote it, right? When he first said it. So, and then it says, likewise, as it was in the days of Lot, they ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. So they were just doing business. That's what we do in America. We're doing business. We're taking care of business. And then... On the day that Lot went out of Sodom and rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all, even so it will be on the day when the Son of Man is revealed. So Jesus compares the days of Noah and the days of Lot to the end times. People are going to be doing business. And here's one of the reasons why I believe he's talking about the rapture of the church is because people are just, they didn't see it coming. Now, at his second coming, at the end of the tribulation period, I think people are going to know he's coming, uh, right? Because things are going to be so bad. In fact, the Bible says approximately two-thirds of the population is going to die during the, during the tribulation period. Now, this sounds horrible, and this is the bad news, and I don't want anybody to go through this. Anybody who hears my voice this morning, I, I would pray that they would get right with the Lord so that they could escape this. And I believe that they are going to, that if you know the Lord, that you're going to escape this. And I'll give you some reasons why. Um, I'll get to that in a minute. Uh, first, let's go to the how. How is this going to happen? Verses 16 and 17 of our text. It says, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with the shout of the, and the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of call of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the air. And thus shall we always be with the Lord. So in Luke chapter 17, verses 34 and following, it says this. I tell you, Jesus is speaking. I tell you that in that night, two men will be in a bed. One will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding together. One will be taken, the other left. Two men will be in the field. One will be taken, and the other left. And so this sounds like the rapture. Some people are going to be taken. Some people will not be taken. In uh, Revelation chapter 20, I'm going to turn there real quick and take a look at that. Revelation chapter 20, verses 5 and 6, it says this, But the rest of the dead did not live again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. So the people who are in the first resurrection, this is the rapture. Okay, blessed are those. The rest of the dead will not be raised again until the end of the thousand years. So there's going to be... It, it's, if you are born twice, you only die at the most once. But if you're only born once, you'll die twice. 
You're born physically, but you have to be born phys- uh, spiritually. And if you're born spiritually, then the most you can die is one time. Your body will die once. But if you die, you gain. Paul said this, for me to live as Christ and to die is gain because if he dies, he goes to be immediately with the Lord, right? And then at some point during the rapture, the resurrection day, his body will be made incorruptible, will be made immortal and be joined to his soul. And we who are alive and remain, the same thing will happen to us. My body's changed a lot since I was a kid. I don't like it that way. I asked my grandmother one time, she was 80 years old, and she had had a heart attack, and we had this conversation. I asked her, Grandma, how old do you feel like on the inside? She said, Gary, I feel like a 20-year-old girl. I said, that's exactly what I thought. At my age, I still feel like a 20-year-old boy. There's a little kid inside of me until I look in the mirror and go, what happened? (laughs) Right? You guys will learn that one of these days. You get... All right, so, so the who are Christians. The when, when's it going to happen? It's going to happen in a twinkling of an eye, and I don't know when that's going to be. It could happen before I finish speaking today. It could happen when you're on your way home. It could happen next week. I don't know, but here's what I do know. As I look at the calendar, it seems like, and I look at the current events, if you look... At some point here in the near future, maybe it's already happened, I haven't been in the store for a while, but if you see Christmas decorations going up, what does that tell you? It tells you Thanksgiving is close, right? <laughs> in some cases, it might be Halloween is close, I don't, right? It gets earlier and earlier. We are seeing the signs that are setting up the time of the tribulation. In the time of tribulation... There will be a one-world government. I don't know if you've ever, if you Google the Great Reset, uh, that's a wake-up call. There's a large group of rich people out there who've been talking about the Great Reset, and it's a one-world government. They've been talking about it for a long time. The New World Order, it's also been called. It's coming. I see things that we, you know, uh, God gives us the the leaders that we deserve. I'm always amazed because I draw cartoons about these people, and I'm always amazed. How did we, how is it possible that we elected so many ignorant people (laughs) to be our leaders? I can't figure this out. Now, it makes great cartoons. Uh, So, there's always a good side. All things work together for good. So, it can happen in, now... This doctrine is a purifying doctrine because this doctrine, if you know that Jesus could come back today, how are you going to live? You ever thought about what are you going to be doing when Jesus comes back? There's some things I don't want to be doing, right? And if you're like me, you, but this has a purifying effect. Listen to 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 11 and 12 says this. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved in the manner of persons, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and in godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of that day? How do we hasten the coming of that day? Well, one thing, you go out and witness, you go out and win people to Christ. God wants to fill heaven with people. And he has delayed his coming Because he's giving everybody a chance. The Bible says that he is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He's wanting us, and he's giving us time, and he's loving us. He's come out to search for us. He's seeking us, but he also wants us to seek him. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 7 and 8, it says this, God has called us to live holy lives, not impure lives. Therefore, anyone who refuses to live by these rules is not disobeying human teaching, but is rejecting God who gives us the Holy Spirit. So by living unholy lives, you are rejecting the Holy Spirit. You're rejecting God. God's called us to be holy because he's holy. And this teaching, the idea living in God consciousness that he could come back at any moment is purifying to us in our lifestyle. The next is the why. 
The why is because he's coming to rescue us. Okay, here's what I'm going to share with you. Some verses, and you can jot these down in your Bible if you can. Uh, these are some verses of why I believe that he's coming back before the tribulation period to take out his church. 1 Thessalonians 1, 9 says this, For they themselves declare concerning us what manner of entry we had into you and how, we, how you turned from, to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. Did you catch that? Jesus delivers us from the wrath to come. Now, he doesn't deliver us from the wrath after the fact. He delivers us from the wrath, from the wrath to come. That only happens if the rapture happens before the tribulation because the tribulation is the wrath of God, which is to come. In Revelation chapter 6, verses, verse 15 and following, it says this, And the kings of the earth, so this is how bad it's going to be. Listen to this. On, during the tribulation period, it says, And the kings of the earth, the great men, the rich men, the commanders, the mighty men, every slave, every free man, hid themselves in the caves and in the rocks and the mountains, and they said to the mountains and the rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of of the lamb. You ever seen a, ra a lamb have wrath? Lambs are pretty meek creatures, aren't they? This is talking about the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. There's coming a day when he's going to come back and the world is going to experience the wrath of the lamb of God. And then it says this, verse 17, for the great day of his, of his wrath has come and who is able to stand? Now these are these great men who are hiding themselves from the wrath of God. Because why? They rejected their only Messiah. They rejected their only way to salvation. They wanted to come up with their own way. They wanted to be their own God. There's coming a day in the future when God's going to say, you want to be your own God? I've got a special place that I intended for the demons and Satan but you can go join them there and you will not experience the wrath, I mean the grace of God ever again. You're on your own. And God, and Jesus doesn't want us to go there. Jesus talked more about hell than he did heaven. He wants us to be with him in heaven. So I gotta go quickly. In uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, 9, it says this, for God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. We weren't appointed in a wrath. I, I, I give you the example of Enoch. I give you the example of Noah, who was saved from the judgment of God in, in, during the flood. I give you the example of Lot, who was rescued. In fact, the angels who took Lot out of Sodom and Gomorrah said, we can't do anything until we get you out. There's coming a day when God's going to rescue us and we're going to be reunited with him. And we're going to have this great reunion. And he's going to receive us to himself. Okay? So, um, this is like, if a nation goes to war with another nation, the first thing they do is they call their ambassadors back home. Did you know this? Of course, in our day, we, we, we leave people behind, but... But the really intelligent nations, what they do is before anything happens, they bring their people back home, and then they go to war. We are the ambassadors of Christ. And before the wrath of God will come on this earth, and at some point it's going to, he's going to take us home to be with him. And the other thing I, I already talked to you about is, is we are the bride. So then the next thing is the where. The where is in the air. Notice it says, 1 Thessalonians 6, 17, caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. That seems unbelievable. But God who created the heavens and the earth, created the laws of nature, do you think he's bound by his own laws? No. He's a, he's a God who can walk on water. He's the God who can stop the storm. Do you think it's too hard for him to call us up to heaven? to call us up to the clouds, to be with him. 
In fact, at the second coming, when he comes to earth, he's going to come on a white horse. And he's going to come in the sky. And it says this, the whole world will see him coming back. And I think J. Vernon McGee said that he believes that that second coming, the first coming is no one's going to see that. It's going to be like lightning that flashes across the sky and we're gone. But the second coming, the whole world will see him. And, and J. Vernon McGee says, I think he will, he will delay that coming so that they see him. The, the, the sky is going to part. They're going to see him coming. And the Antichrist is going to mount his, his army to try to fight against the, the king who's coming in the sky. It's, it's amazing. Anyway, so finally, that's the where. And then finally, the comfort. The last verse in this chapter says, Therefore, comfort one another with these words. I was thinking about the, the song, Coming Again. And the last verse of the song, Coming Again, it says this, Standing before him at last, trial and trouble all past. What a blessing that is. Crowns at his feet we will cast Jesus is coming again. And I, I love the uh, chorus because it sounds like a, a carnival. Coming again, coming again. Maybe morning, maybe noon, maybe evening, and maybe soon. Coming again, coming again. Oh, what a wonderful day it will be. Jesus is coming again. Let me ask you. Are you ready for him to come? Will that day be wonderful for you? Or will you be left behind? I believe the Bible says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 that if you have heard the gospel and have rejected the gospel you will be deceived that God will send you a strong delusion so that you will believe the lie of the devil you won't have a chance to get saved don't do that don't wait today is the day of salvation so the question is is that going to be a wonderful day for you have you been born again do you know do you, that you know that you know that you've been born again and if you say, Gary, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about, born again, then you need to get born again. Because if you know that you've been born again, you know, right? And it's not that hard. The gift of God is a gift. If it's something that you could pay for, then it's not a gift anymore. You can't do anything to earn it. You have to receive it, and you receive it by faith. And all he's asking you to do is repent of your sin. Admit it that you're a sinner and believe that Jesus Christ died for sin and rose again. And you ask him to save you and he, he will save you. It's not hard. But people miss it this far. They believe it here, but they don't believe it here. They don't put their trust in him. And they miss salvation by 18, 18 inches or so. Romans 10.9 says this, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. And verse 13 says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is an open invitation to everyone. Have you had that time in your life when you've done that? And if you haven't, tell somebody. Tell me. I would love to share the gospel with you and, and pray with you and, and help you to come to know Christ the way I know Christ. Just like my wife did Years ago, back in 1977, when she gave her heart to Christ. It changes not only your life here, but it changes your eternal destiny. And when Jesus comes back, and it could be very soon, then you go to be with him. Matthew 10, 32, 33 says this, Therefore, whoever confesses me before men, I will confess him before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me on earth before men, I will also deny him before my Father in heaven. That's some sobering words. Have, are you a covert Christian? Are you keeping it a secret? I did that for a while, a long time ago. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. And I don't care if people ridicule me about that because I only have to, I have the relationship with Christ. I don't care what people think. I only care what he thinks. 
right? So, I'm done. It's 1101. <laughs> Let's bow our heads. I want to pray for us. Nobody looking around. I just want to ask you this question. If you're sitting here this morning and you say, Gary, I, I know that I'm not born again. I don't know what you're talking about there, but I, I want to be born again. Would you just look my direction? Just look my direction. I just want to pray for you. If you are sitting here this morning and you say, boy, you know, I, well, how do I begin born again? I want to lead you in a prayer, and you can just pray this in your own heart right where you are. And it just goes like this. Father, I know I'm a sinner, and I believe that Jesus died for my sin. And I willingly accept him as my Savior, and I pray that you would help me to know that I'm saved and help me to live for you in Jesus' name, amen. I pray that if that's your prayer this morning, that you would make it public. Tell somebody, tell the pastors here. Because Jesus is coming, and we don't know when, but when he comes, it'll be very fast. And you don't want to be left behind. Father, thank you so much for this time this morning to glorify you. And Lord, we believe your word. You said that you've done it and you're going to come and we believe it and your work proves it by raising from the dead. And I look forward to the time when we will see you and our loved ones who are in Christ. And Lord, I pray that those in this the congregation this morning would not just hold this information to ourselves, that we would share this gospel with others who need it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for being a part of Harmony at Home and allowing us to share hope with you. You know, when we think about the love of Jesus, it's absolutely amazing to stop and realize that he gave his life for you and for me. And all we have to do is simply put our faith and trust in his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And that changes us for all eternity. Today, if you've never invited Jesus to forgive you of your sins and to be your personal savior, I wanna encourage you to do that right now. It's as simple as admitting that your life is not perfect, admitting that you've sinned, that you've missed God's mark of perfection and putting your faith and trust in his son, Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus is God's love in action and he demonstrated his love for you and for me by going to the cross, by being buried and by rising again on the third day. And today, if you'd like to invite him to forgive you of your sins and to be your savior, I would encourage you right where you are just to simply say, Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins and to be my savior. And he will do it. If you've made that decision today, please let us know. Please reach out to us. We would love the opportunity to help you learn more about who Jesus is and the incredible plan that he has for your life. If you are a part of the Harmony family, uh, you're a part of our Harmony uh, online community and our online campus, I want to thank you for joining us as well. And I want to invite you to start regathering with us in person if you would like to do so. But please remember, we're keeping everything online as well, so you're not going to miss out uh, on our Sunday morning experience and the other things that we've been doing through the week. We're going to continue to offer those and to continue to meet a need in your life. And if you would like to help us continue uh, to serve our community and, and literally the world, uh, we would encourage you to hop on over to harmonyofavon.com forward slash give, and you'll be able to help us continue the ministry and to make a difference, not only here locally, but globally as well. Thank you for being a part of Harmony at Home, and I pray uh, for God's greatest blessings in your life, and I hope that you'll continue to stay connected to us throughout the week. You have a great day.